I got a billion dollar mindset, steady as the flow, navigating on my time spent, letting us know. Billion dollar, billion dollar, billion dollar. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the internet's number one success podcast, Into the Mind, where we break down and analyze the characteristics, skills, strategies, and systems of successful entrepreneurs so that together we can learn from their experiences and be inspired by their victories and replicate their formulas for success. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, parkour athlete turned entrepreneur and real estate investor. And I am on a mission to help 7.8 billion people achieve success personally, professionally, and financially by empowering their minds and connecting them to the right people. Today, my guest is the epitome of what hustle, grit, and determination can produce. In his first 18 months of business in the real estate investing industry, he produced over $1 million in revenue. However, that's a far shot from when he started. See, back in 2007, as a child, he moved to Canada without knowing how to speak English. And throughout his childhood, he had to go through things like being bullied, being picked on. In fact, before he left college, he had racked up over $61,000 in debt and entered into the workforce full of theory, but missing experience. His parents had lost their money back in Colombia due to a company's corruption, and he worked his ass off day and night driving Uber just to break even and send money home back to the family. Since that humble beginning, he's acquired truly useful skills like marketing, sales, and building systems, which has allowed him to scale his business to breaking seven figures. And today, he's on a mission to help over 2,000 real estate investors grow their business through proper systems and lead generation. I want to dive in deep on his origin story today in this episode. We're going to learn some tactics for generating leads and creating a system, but also most importantly, we're going to learn about the mindset that he had to cultivate in order to survive the changing world. So help me in welcoming my host, who's the, my guest, who's the host of the uh, Hustlers, the online Hustlers podcast, the CEO of, hopefully I'm saying this right, Hell Cell Media, and the man that would give you the shirt off his back if you needed it, Esteban Andrade. Yo, Esteban, what's up, bro? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Dude, of course, man. I'm excited for this. Yeah, we haven't seen each other since back in Florida. I think it was at the Scale and Escape um, event when I ran into you out there. Yeah, man, it was such a great event. And also we were able to connect. Um, so we connected with Sam as well, man, like having a dinner and everything. Uh, but you know, I just went there and my goal was to just meet people, uh, like you or connect with people, connect more with people like you. So that, that, that was kind of mission accomplished. Bro, I'm happy to hear that. Well, I'm excited for this episode. We've been talking about one. And I know I like, since the moment you popped up on my radar, bro, before we even met down in Miami, you had popped up on my radar, um, back when you had joined into one of our mentorship groups inside the sub two community, you instantly, I can see that the community had taken a liking to you. You you put yourself out there as a go-giver. You're offering to help people right away. And naturally, I was like, I want to get to know this guy. And upon listening to some of your podcast episodes, which, by the way, if you guys aren't listening to the Online Hustlers podcast, like it just popped on my radar. And I started listening through some of those episodes. And I was blown away with the guests that you have, with the questions that you ask them, the research that you do on them. Phenomenal, phenomenal podcast. So today I'm excited to be jumping into your story because you have a pretty dope origin story, man. So I want to go back and talk about 
you know, where you started, because people can look at you now and say like, man, he's got it figured out. He knows marketing. He knows sales. He's confident. He can just go out there and make seven figures easy. But where did it start? Can you take me back to the beginning? Yeah, man. Um, I'd say, um, let me go back to um, when, I came, when I came to the country and knowing that uh, my parents have achieved great things in their country. And I also wanted to achieve great things uh, for myself in Canada when I came here. I always had this like big vision mindset where like I, I wanted to think big, regardless of what stage in my life I was. And at the beginning, it was like getting a job at a good company. So at the beginning, it was like I wanted to get a job at a giant ass corporation. Like I wanted to be like in a big ass corporation. Why? Because I thought that they would pay better. Uh, I'll look better. Uh, they'll call me Mr. Engineer, whatever, right? And then, uh, so it started by just um, knowing that you are capable of doing something uh, much bigger than yourself, even if you don't have it accomplished just yet, or you, or you have nothing, no experience, no knowledge, no nothing. Just um, started by having that thought. And, and when, uh, when I went to school, I was like, I want to work in a big company. I want to work in a big corporation. My parents came from uh, working from Coca-Cola and uh, Procter and Gamble, um, like big corporations, and they they worked their ass off the entire life to ultimately achieve that position. They they started from the very bottom, like Coca Cola at the lab, like doing just you know very technical or like analyst type of things, like just very like bare bones to like being directors. So I had an example to look at, um, and even if I didn't have them. I will always like to look at uh, research of people that had accomplished big things in the world that I was in, right? At that time, I was not really an entrepreneur. Like I was not really like looking to build a business. I, I just knew that I wanted to like achieve great things regardless of what it was. So that's, uh, that's kind of like where it started. Um, and that was, that's essentially... Back in high school, man, um, I wanted to graduate uh, with great uh, grades because I couldn't go into, let's say, university with what I had at the moment. Mm -hmm. going, for me, going to university was, oh, I'm going to get a great job. People are going to look at my university degree, my bachelor's diploma, and they're going to give me a great job. Like They're going to see that in my resume. And uh, automatically, it qualifies me to work at, I don't know, like a big company like Microsoft, HP, Facebook, um, Tesla, whatever, right? And, um, and so I, I decided to stay one more year in, uh, in high school. Um, so usually people do grade 12. I did grade 12 and I did grade 13, but it was my choice. And I did that when I was 16 years old. So my parents moved back to the country and um, they left me here because it was my choice of me not having to go back to Colombia, but like staying in Canada and ultimately achieving my graduation, my ultimate graduation um, for high school. Uh, so staying another, another year uh, in high school was for me an achievement and thinking big. And, uh, and that all came because, again, I needed university grades and not, I didn't want to go to like 
to basically community college and like start a community college. I wanted to go achieve something great. And, um, and even the principal, I remember the principal one, one time came and be like, Esteban, I want to talk to you and be like, oh shit, what's going on? No, I, I really admire like what you're doing. Like, I did not know that your parents actually left the country and you're staying here living by yourself. And you're like 16 years old, 17 years old. And uh, you haven't even, you know, you haven't even like learned how to live by yourself, but you just made the ultimate sacrifice of, of making that decision because I know you want to go to university. And, and, and I, ended, I ended up staying that one more year, took the grades, and then that made me qualify to, to go to take university degree. But then, you know, moving forward, like skipping that university path, I ended up getting to great programs, meeting great people, um, enjoyed the uni, uni life, um, and ultimately made great connections. But um, one thing that uh, I realized was that even though that I had thought so big and going to university wasn't an accomplishment for me, uh, as soon as I graduated, I did not have any skill, really great skill whatsoever. Uh, it was just a, it was just a paper. Um, mm. It was just a, uh, a something that it was fake ultimately. And it, anyone that goes to university and and think that you know taking these major projects or taking these major, major things will give you a job, uh, it will not. Like you ultimately ultimately need to uh, work either an internship, uh, have experience, uh, boss your ass off, and uh, and and acquire skills skill sets. Um, and uh, that's what I ended up doing after. Uh, graduating from university because um, you know a lot of people uh, work on regular jobs during university but those regular jobs don't really give you the skill sets that uh, will you, you know will present to you on on a, on a great role on a great position for after graduation some people end up doing bartending some people end up doing like um, you know barista you know starbucks or mcdonald's yeah. or whatever right uh, but I never really like acquired skill of like, let's say public speaking or talking to people uh, in a way that I persuade them on into buying something, into um, getting into, um, you know, enrolling them into whatever I think it's the best for them, like learning sales or learning marketing, right? Learning to, to attract or get attention from people, uh, persuade people. And, um, and that, you know, that ended up uh, being a hit right after graduation because I, I did not acquire anything of that in the four or five years that I did in university and um, made me uh, go back into the grind uh, and uh, I drove Uber. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So boy, before we, before we get there, actually, I want to ask yeah. a question, man, because that's, in, first off, 16 years old, deciding to stay back in the, like stay in the country with your parents being gone and you were on your own, like effectively on your own. Like, that's a pretty major decision to make at such a young age. Like, after you had made that decision, was there any sort of, like, were you scared? Was there any sort of regret? Like, you know what, man? Um, I think it was, I think I was just more fired up than, than any, any other time. Uh, because here's what happened. So um, we got our citizenship, our Canadian citizenship, and Canada has always loves having new citizens and then my parents were having such a difficult time because my my brother was little 
and also my, my mom was working really hard jobs like she started by working on cleaning jobs then like very bare bones assistance in like some labs and like doing like very hand like labor jobs and things that she's never done in her life but she she did it and they saw her their sacrifice and their effort um of doing so and then after that like through time she was able to get a better position but um it was just such a challenge for them the weather the job the position that they were with my little brother my for example my dad stayed in colombia and my mom was living with us in canada so my dad was working his ass off to send us money uh working at coca-cola for you know for a good position for a good role and he would basically the colombian pesos will transfer over as canadian dollars and it doesn't last. Like whenever you do that exchange of currency, it just doesn't last. Like imagine like earning in pesos and sending money to 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 your kids in in Canada, which is Canadian dollars. It just doesn't last too much. So we were living in a basement. Um, my my parents were struggling more than ever. And then once we decided, once we got the citizenship, they sat down with me and they told me um this is how they call me nico so they call me my my middle name is nicholas so they call me nico uh so we got news for you um we are uh deciding to move back to colombia and um so i just wanted to let you know uh that that's what we have decided it's the best for your brother it's the best for us uh this is a very cold country this is also very hard like we're you know we have we're we're having all this like hard jobs and it's better for us to go back into like having a better lifestyle back in mm -hmm. Colombia. But they also told me, um, what do you want to do? <laughs> and my mom was fully expecting me to say like, yeah, let's do it. I know that I can finish university back in Colombia and things like that because my mom had already presented me like this paperwork of like, oh, by the way, when you move back, this is university number one, option number one, option number two, option number three. Like these are the universities that you can apply to, so you can like work as an engineer or so you can graduate as an engineer or whatever. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I guess we'll try that. But at the same time, I think I want to stay. <laughs> so it was, a, it, was, it was a shock by my mom because here's the goal that I had. Ultimately, this was the ultimate goal that I had. I wanted to make sure I graduate from university. I didn't want to have the feeling to go back, like having to, for me, going back to Colombia, it was like doing three steps backwards. And um, to me, doing that was not learning the language perfectly as I wanted to learn it. So I wanted to like re redefine, like get my, uh, my, my, my English polished. Mm -hmm and my accent kind of removed. I wanted to, I had that goal. Also, I wanted to finish university degree to work in a Canadian company. And third, I wanted to find a path so that I could potentially apply to work in the US. I wanted to do that. So me going back to Colombia would make everything much harder. I wouldn't be speaking day-to-day -day English, all right? 
uh, I would not graduate from a Canadian university. And I also going, moving to the US will be way, way harder, even though I'm a Canadian citizen. So for me, I had to establish that I had a big vision and whatever's in the way to get that big vision, to get that thing, and to get that focus is going to be like, like a racquetball. It's going to be just literally just kicked out of the way. And when they told me that they were going to go back, I already had clear that, um, that I wanted to achieve great things. And I also wanted to see the experience of what it would look like to live by myself. Wow. So <laughs> I proposed to them, hey, let's try this for like the next six months, which, which is basically like the months that, that you need in high school to finish like uh, an entire two terms. Mm -hmm. Let's say six months. Let's try for this six months and I'll tell you how it goes. Why? Because I'll finish high school. And, you know, if you want to support me, that's great. But I'll finish high school and I want to get my university uh, uh, credits. And, and once I finish high school and I apply to university, we'll see. Maybe going back to Colombia makes more sense because I'm not going to get, maybe I'm not going to get accepted to in a university, but we'll see. And everything came down to like, I really want to prove myself, right? Like there's, there's always um, something that you want to prove to someone or to anything, to anyone. Um, and on most of the time, it's, it's yourself, right? Because mm -hmm. you are your own, uh, most of the time, you are your own wall. Like you are the only person that is going to make you not make great decisions. Most of the time you're talking yourself out of things and it's not someone else, it's not an external force. It's you. You ultimately are the one to make the biggest decisions about your life. And me at 16 years old, I, I was willing to risk it and, and uh, see how living by myself was great. I literally imagined myself, oh my God, I'm going to be by myself. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm going to like bring so many friends up. I'm going to be bringing like some, uh, uh, some friends, some chicks at, at my apartment and everything. And then, you know, I thought about it. I thought about so many good things that could happen. I mean, that didn't happen because I ended up living <laughs> ended up living with uh with an old lady uh so i was like god damn it my mom like <laughs> made sure that i was like basically locked up not locked up but like i was not doing like all this disastrous stuff right and um she found like an old lady apartment that uh she lived in a uh, second room so i lived with her uh for like when i with the time that i had to finish high school and i couldn't do all that fun stuff <laughs> that i wanted to do um, so yeah, man, like I, sometimes I don't even know, like what, you know, at 16 years old, like what kind of things, like, I, I, why, why would you say that at 16 years old is such a, it's such a weird or it, it is not usual to, to see kids to, making those decisions. Like, no, I mean, Esteban, not, like brother, that is absolutely amazing and it's you're right it's abnormal i mean i think about the 16 year olds i know now and the 16 year olds i've worked with 
And to find somebody that not only has the vision for themselves of such a grand, you know, I know this is what I want to do to have that level of certainty, but then to actually act on it and then to follow through with it, to actually live it out and not just cave in when it got a little uncomfortable to say that, like, you know, I was so excited about this, you know, that's amazing. And you, so you went on, you lived on your own, you finished up school, you went to uni and you you made it through uni you became you got the the degree right like this was the goal this was the i freaking made it i did it i became the person only to find out that the degree wasn't really what you expected it to be Man, the, real, I got I, the real world is not what what it what it is <laughs> how, how it's pictured out there yeah. uh, i think the real world is uh you are in imagine this machine this great engine where big corporations pay to be fitting this great engine and the great engine is run by university. What happens is that people are born and they end up going to um, high school. Well, they end up going to elementary, middle school, high school. And then the great engine starts preparing little soldiers at early stages. Like I would say that the first stage is, is high school. Like they start preparing little soldiers so that in university or college, they, these soldiers are more prepared to be qualified to be working for these big corporations, right? Now, what I felt was that I went into a world where everyone was like a little soldier. And I had to go through to, to these job, job fairs, everyone looking for the same thing, everyone the same stage as me. They're all competing for like, oh, uh, you did have experience here or you have better grades. Uh, I'm going to give you a better, uh, an interview, uh, an interview opportunity. And like the, all these people are just made to fit these giant corporations. This is how I see it. They're made to fit these giant corporations that are ultimately paying for this uh, high level education for people because it's good for this, you know, big corporations. Like it creates it creates jobs, which ultimately is balance, of course, right? But um, at the same time, I realized that um, for me, going into like the job force and going to like getting a, a regular job, it was just being the pawn of the grand scheme of the chess that that is was there right um so i graduated and of course because i did not have let's say a great amount of experience doing something or i did not have let's say the biggest grades that could stand out separate to others mm-hmm. i was not elected to to be in these interviews uh right away or to be hired right away uh, but I did find myself a way to get interviews, even if I did not have the the experience working on the field, even if my 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 grades were not the best. I actually found a way by first studying exactly what my client avatar wanted from me. Who is my client avatar? Would be the jobs, right? Like th- these companies that I wanted to apply, and um, and I started cold emailing and cold calling these jobs so that they can give me a interview opportunity. Apart from using these Indeed sources and LinkedIn sources to apply for jobs, doing cold emails and doing cold cold calling 
was something that I realized it works even better because you're like you're getting them um, like, let's say you're it's going to be out of the blue, but you're also giving them a great offer. Hey, um, I'm here recently graduated with X amount of experience and I know that you want this from an applicant. I'm willing to work for free or an internship with you for your company in order to get experience and help you with the X or Y project that I saw on the website or in the job application. So that's kind of like what I wanted. Like, like I thought that 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 was the best thing that I could do. Why? Because no one was like returning my LinkedIn or Indeed application like uh, for interviews. Um, And and I decided to work for Uber because I also knew that Uber would give me the time freedom to choose when I wanted to make money and when I wanted to be busy, right? Uber gives you that choice. So ultimately, having the choice of um, me working either in the mornings or or working at late at nights uh, would be better for me finding a job or would be better for me if I find a job, I'll get a free internship or um, or a, a very low paid internship that would get me in the in the job force. So, so bro, I gotta I gotta highlight this for everybody because what you just said was a golden nugget that you started reaching out to these people. You went through the average you know avenues of let me go on LinkedIn, let me go and put my resume out there, let me submit it through the traditional means of going and getting employment. And when you found that it wasn't working for whatever reason, maybe you're just like everybody else's application, you don't have like that special cheat code to get you the job, you actually started cold calling and cold emailing them. And this is the part I want to highlight. You said that you actually studied the prospect. You understood what they were looking for. It wasn't just all about, man, Esteban wants to go and be an engineer, so I'm going to just push it out there. It's like, no, you actually said, well, what are they looking for? What are, who are they looking to hire? Who do they need? And you started to make yourself into that person. And I love this part because even though it was a cold call, it was coming unexpected out of the blue. Like you said, you actually figured out how do I add more value to my offer? And I want people to understand that because people are right now reaching out, they're cold calling in their business, whether it's direct sales, it's B2B, B2C, whatever it is. And they're feeling like, man, no one, people don't want this. Well, you looked at your offer and you said, how do I make it better? Okay, I can offer my services for free. I can see how I can fit the mold better. That's just ingenious. And also it's hustle. Like that's, you're actually getting off your butt and you're doing something about getting the position, getting the thing you want. You're being persistent. And that, again, that's just uncommon. I'm sitting here thinking like, man, like who taught you to do this? Like, what, what, like, were you reading books? Like, how did, like, what made you so hungry to go get at it? <laughs> Honestly, man, um, one of the biggest things that I did was I listened. The people that gave me feedback, I wouldn't listen to everything that they would give me but I would listen to specific nuggets that they would give me. And most people that would give me feedback are going to be your parents. Um, now, sometimes your parents have never gone through like the entrepreneurship route, never being a business owner or whatever. Uh, but for example, my mother like had like this inner hunger of like make doing things great. Like she had the inner hunger of like making sure that whatever she did, she went all in into it. And even though 
that there was a lot of things that I did disagree on with my parents. I took those biggest, big, bigger nuggets and applied them as my core values. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people, they, a lot of people end up not listening to their parents because their parents are not these Grand Cardones or Gary Vaynerchuk's. Uh, but they've lived um, through time and they have seen failure and they've seen wins. And uh, a lot of times, even though it doesn't fit your entrepreneurship route, they do have great tips and nuggets. And one of the biggest nuggets that I got from my mom is being resilient, is that regardless of whatever happens, if you fail, you stand up and you keep going. And and, and because you're going to see that in uh, high school or middle school or elementary where it's like, for example, like if you're if you're if you're being bullied, look, if you're being bullied and someone try to put you down, you look up, you know that there's something better. Don't listen to these people. Don't listen to this in like outside noise. You stand up again and you keep going, right? Even though it looks like failure or it feels like failure, there's 24 hours in the day to make it right again. Like an average human being will stay in failure and will compress. But a superhuman, a superhuman or like seven-figure human being or a millionaire mindset will, you know, will know that there's 24 hours again to make it right once again, and that is going to be taken as a lesson. So, you know, taking some a few nuggets from from my parents was great, but of course that was not enough because I needed to find greater mentors, bigger mentor mentors, and I feel that that's when I started um, uh, in. Back in 2000, 2015, I had already heard about Frank uh, Cardone, Gary Vee, but I never really consumed their stuff. Um, I, I thought that Gary Vee was funny, that he interrupts people, that he, you know, he, you know, he does, you know, cool stuff and everything, garage sales and stuff. But in 2016, when I drove over, that's when I started like consuming their content. And I was like, listening to their stuff like listening in uber uh while in a, while i didn't have people in my car i would go into their podcast press play and just listen to these guys and some of these guys would give such a good nuggets to find jobs too like for people that are uh looking for like a like they're trying to open their mind that they became my mentors gary vaynerchuk and grant cardone um I think they were the top first people that I ended up listening to, taking a lot of notes. And I think I got, I got the, the, the tips of cold calling um, for a job, either from Grant Cardone or Gary. I think that some of them mentioned about like how cold calling will be, um, even though it's, it's, it's annoying to do it or like it, it's painful, it is so powerful. It's such a powerful marketing uh, engine that will make you a lot of money and will give you a lot of opportunities, right? It's been there forever, but it you you got to do it. Like it has to be part of your process, uh, outbound process. Um, and so I applied the same thing for like doing cold emails, uh, going to YouTube and understanding how I could potentially cold email a manager um, on a on a job, and all of those were things that would listen in in the Uber. Um, one of the, if you're talking here, mindset, man, if you're in Uber, you're driving Uber right now and you want to make a lot of money, 
Did you know that you can take the time that whenever you're not with the passenger to listen to podcasts or audiobooks or anything that would give you better knowledge and better tips on things and just consume that and you'll see how much you're going you're going to be able to like understand you're going to be see how much at the end of the day you'll be like wow like i've gotten so much knowledge and if you're doing uber and you have a passenger make sure that you have a conversation with that passenger <laughs> make sure that you start a conversation be relatable understand what they you know what maybe their day is all about connect with people build rapport maybe some of these people would ended up end up giving you a connection to someone else that would change your life completely now i did that and uh, while driving over um i had several hundreds of conversations my goal was to have a pleasant trip and giving them a pleasant experience on the uber drive Now, some people would not like to, to talk, and I respect that. So I'll just ask them, do you want any type of music, or is it okay if it's just quiet? If it was quiet, then it's perfect for me. I'll go into my podcast mode. Okay, but if they want a conversation, then I open up with a conversation, something that is relatable, something that um, I noticed from their outfit or from their they came from. I give them a compliment. Um, and then I ended up ended up having a conversation about potentially what they do and what they do for a living, where they're heading, or things like that. And then if they ask me, I'll tell them what I'm like, what I'm doing. And uh, a few of those conversations where I connected with a lot of them, they gave me um, three job. Uh, they gave me three job interview offers. Um, they gave me uh, the the chance to go down to a bar to discuss business uh, because they see that I had potential. Now I did not, I missed that opportunity, but, but that's because I was working and I already had another job. Like, and, and, and I did not like take the chance. Like if I was more, if I, were more I was, if I was more like, let's say risky or like, be like, Oh my God, this is an opportunity. I could have gone, stop my Uber drive and go go to the bar where they were discussing business because they want they were looking for like salespeople or they were looking for something like that in a bar in Toronto but I, I did not do it uh because I already had a, a another trip aligned so that was an opportunity that I missed and then, but then I had multiple multiple conversations and there's so many conversations that I learned things I learned uh, that you can make money uh, out of advertising I learned how hedge funds work. I learned how um, I, le I learned how strippers make money, <laughs> <laughs> and because I I ended up picking up a few strippers too uh, late at night. Um, I man, I picked up doctors, lawyers, advertiser managers, um, uh, a few CEOs. I picked up uh, hedge fund owners, uh, and then when I would like, when I would like make these people when i would drop these people in these huge mansions i was like wow i just had a freaking huge conversation with this guy and look where he lives and this guy has a freaking ferrari and he took it over with me and my freaking mazda mazda six <laughs> wow <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and uh so it was these things like i learned to maximize my return on the things that were happening in my life Um, so maximizing my return, if, 
So for example, right now, if I end up having a airplane uh, flight, like I just take a flight somewhere and it's three hours, four hours. It is the most laser focused time for me to either read a book that I wanted to read or do some work, pay for the internet and do some laser focused time, like laser focused um, work because it, you're in the airplane, you're not moving, like it, it, it's, it's great weather, like there's no notifications, there's no craziness, you're just in there to maximize your time. Right. And uh, I ended up doing that. And um, in such a short period of time, I learned that when I cold called these people and that they they had a company in, in Toronto, in the north of Toronto, they they did not have a an opening yet. So I cold called the sales manager and the sales manager got I got his attention because I I cold called. They did not have an opening slot at that moment, but because I cold call and I said, "Hey man, uh, I saw your I saw your job position uh, two one month ago that you guys recently closed, uh, but your company looks really interesting to me, and I'd like to uh, just come and see if there is an opportunity to get an interview and potentially get a position at your company." I feel that we could potentially be a great fit. I'd be willing to work for free. I'd be willing to work on an internship basis, an exchange of a great referral or in exchange of uh, giving me a job after that work, after that free work, right? So I, I did that. I had the conversation. He was like, hey man, look, come into our interview. We'll see what we could do. We actually are thinking about expanding. We just haven't posted the job yet. And, and that's, again, this is after doing doing it like 300 times like it's not it's not one time okay first call. Times. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not a one call like one call close is not one to one ratio it's it's like one of 300 all right and but that that landed me a job that was thirty nine thousand dollars a year plus a car allowance to work under the ceo president of the company and I was like, I did not understand how big that was. L literally, working under a CEO, someone that has this entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship mind, and uh, someone that has gone through like all the struggles, wins, and all all this hustle, and working under them and like reading their mind was one of the biggest experience that I ever had. Even though the pay was shit. I think it was not even 39,000. I think it was 29,000. Yes, it was $29,000 plus car allowance. And I did that for the rest of 2016 um, until um, I got a call or actually I got a message in LinkedIn from a company in Michigan saying, hey man, I've seen the updates that you've done in your, in your resume. Because I would update every single time my resume whenever I, I accomplished something like Want to make sure that you have your accomplishments written down. If you're not writing down your accomplishments, if you're not writing down what you've done, your wins, and the skill sets that you've gathered, and you're still looking for like an opportunity, a job, you're doing yourself a disservice, right? If you don't know what you're being able to accomplish, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's like when people are not documenting stuff in social media, like document that, like put up the case studies, put up the testimonials, 
put up the like the great work that you've done with like Pace Morby, for example, put on the great work that you've done with, I don't know, Steve Trank, like all those are your accomplishments and now you're documenting it. So I did that for LinkedIn and I ended up uh, getting a call from this recruiter contracting house in Michigan that wanted to interview me for several jobs in Ford, Chrysler, and other um, part manufacturers, uh, companies in Michigan. Um, and that's kind of like my first journey on like, okay, I'm going to move to the U.S. That's, that's kind of like how it started, man. Uh, I think that everything happens because there is a domino effect on the decisions that you make. Mm -hmm. And the momentum is huge. If you see that you have momentum, keep going, right? If you're winning, keep going. Don't, don't get complacent and, and keep going at it. Hey guys, Marlon Johnson here. I hope you're enjoying the episode. We'll get back to it in just a moment. First, I want to say thank you for your continued support. And I'm happy to share with you that we've relaunched MMC. MMC is the millionaire mindset community. If you love these thought-provoking conversations, then you need to be a part of MMC and get in the room with other like-minded entrepreneurs. MMC is a private group where we connect daily to work on ourselves and our businesses. We have daily Zoom calls with other entrepreneurs who are setting goals, collaborating, and doing business together, plus a weekly coaching call from either myself, other coaches, or special guests. Also, being a part of MMC allows you early access to podcasts like this before they air, as well as behind-the-scenes conversation that my guests share. Because I want to make joining MMC a no-brainer, I'm offering listeners a seven-day trial for just $1 by going to mmc.mindsetmarlin.com. Go to mmc.mindsetmarlin.com, and when you register, you'll be able to do a seven-day trial for just $1. And if you don't get value from being in the room with the right people, you can cancel your membership on the sixth day. So what do you have to lose? Go to mmc.mindsetmarlin.com right now and register. Don't wait any longer to change your life. I'll see you in the room. Now back to the episode. Well, right. it's like you said, it's it's a compound effect. And like I again, you you said it wasn't the first call you made. It wasn't the first email you sent out. It was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And I'm sure if I listened to your first call versus the call where that sales manager was actually impressed, I'm sure I would have seen a big difference. It's like, whoa, you you went from stuttering over your words, not even quite sure what you were asking them for, to clearly defining this is what I'm looking for. This is what I see in you guys. You guys are doing amazing. This is what I believe I can give you. And this is what I would like in return. And I believe it's a great offer for you guys. And your, your ask, it was intentional. Those phone calls that you were making were intentional. And the fact that you kept coming back to it over and over. And I love what you said, right? Recognizing, see, I think sometimes we, we have this like impatience where we want it and we want it now. In fact, we don't even want it now. We want it yesterday. And we forget about the, the steps that we have to go through, not just to have it, but to keep it. Because getting it isn't the hard part. It's being able to keep and maintain and show up consistently over and over. And the process that you went through actually honed you because from the time you were young, you said, I want to do something great. I want to build something great. I want to be that person. And the universe said, okay, I got you, right? But let's get you prepared. Let's make you strong enough to hold on to your treasure. So that's cool. 
I'm curious when you were spending that time with that CEO too, you, you said you got to read his mind. You got to like see what was going on there in his mind. And even earlier, you mentioned, you know, the difference between a millionaire's mindset of just even how you approached failure and how you look at opportunities that it doesn't matter where you're sitting. It doesn't matter what's actually going on. If you're flipping burgers at Burger King, there's no reason why you can't do it with excellence. There's no yeah. reason why you can't do it the best. When you're getting on the airplane, there's no reason why that has to be 45 minutes, two hours, six hours of zoning out. So what's a part of that mindset, that makeup, when you're looking at that millionaire's mind or that CEO's mind, what did you see that was different in comparison to maybe how you were thinking before, or just in general, how your pairs were thinking? Man, one of the biggest things that I would um, see in difference between, for example, my colleagues, which were regular employees, and uh, the CEO, the president of that company, uh, was how open he was in listening to me, and uh, how open he was into listening to his employees. Um, Here's one thing, man, whenever you're building out something, and you want it so bad, um, and you want to become this great entrepreneur that makes a business, makes hundreds of thousands of dollars per year, and then hundreds of thousands of dollars per month. Um, it, it comes from a selfish, from a selfish thought. Like you want this so bad for yourself. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to go get it, get that. Even if I have to like, for some temporarily talk with my closest friends or like, uh, stop talking with, you know, some families don't, family members that, that don't agree with me or like, you know, remove my circle that is toxic, whatever. Like there is a, a selfish, there's a selfish uh, motion in there, right? So, so when you start building, you build out out of selfishness, you start generating sales, you start getting contracts, you start getting your first clients, you start getting your first uh, deals. But then what I realized when I became an actual business owner is that now everything switches. So this millionaire, this CEO, this president was so open-minded into listening to me, into like seeing, hearing my ideas and how to better his company, the position, because I would come in with like this amazing ideas of like how to make the tech that they had inside of the company because I would see some holes and be like, hey man, like I noticed this, I noticed that, I noticed that. I feel like we could have a conversation about this because if we do this better, then it will be faster and will be easier for me and it will be easier for them. And um and he was always so open in listening to his employees. So here's here's what happens when you become a leader, when you become a CEO, when you become a business owner, now it's you become you have to be selfless. Now, instead of thinking about yourself, you become selfless. You how how do you make sure that the people around you grow as well? The people around you also get some of the some of the flowering that you're getting as your tree is growing is growing, right? How are you making sure that now you're VAs, your employees, whoever it is, also get value and they're also growing. How do you make sure that these people, like for example, like your close family members, uh, even if they don't have this entrepreneurship uh, lifestyle, they're also 
uh, getting some some sort of value, your circle, some sort of value from you, right? And and so so it's a very selfless act. You 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 start a company being selfish, and you grow a company being self selfless. That that's that's how it is. And um, and that's that was one of the biggest things that I noticed from him, and that's why he allowed me to grow because I incorporated those ideas instead of like my colleagues. They'll be like, eh, "I don't think so." Eh, you know, you have to ask him. Eh, I've never, you know, never really thought about that, so I don't know, or whatever, right? And then you go to someone that has more high power, or like someone that has way more experience that than you maybe years of experience like maybe two times the, the the age that you have and they'll listen to you that was the biggest thing why he was su successful as a as a business owner as a, he that's why he had 150 150 freaking employees at that time uh, i don't know where he is at right now but you know his name was nick and he allowed me to grow right so that was one of the biggest things um, that millionaire wants other people also to grow and they also want to always give, all right, give back. And uh, so he ended up paying um, a consultation to me. He ended up uh, making sure that he, he would spend more time into like my, my education, giving me a, um, you know, higher level of knowledge about certain things about the company itself or about what the industry was and, and just investing uh, more into me because I I asked for a change or an improvement, right? So that was one of the biggest things that uh, I would see. And he was willing to spend money, right? He he literally, for me, man, like I got to an idea on how to improve Salesforce and how to improve the uh, uh, the quotation system, tech system that they had internally. And that he paid I remember it was like $600 for an hour for the Salesforce uh, consultant. And I was like, what the hell? This guy just paid $600 for an hour because of me. And, 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 uh, and so now I had to like go into this room, imagine this room where here's a Salesforce consultant, here's the Salesforce rep, and here's the CEO. Here is the, um, what, what's his name? Uh, uh, the systems manager and I was there presenting my idea <laughs> and I was like I had no I have no freaking experience like literally this is my first ever job but I I went off into like look this is what's happening when the order comes in it takes three four steps to do it we could do it in two steps one one step if we do it this way here's what's happening when the order is uh, the, the items are selected, blah, 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 blah. And then, so I ended up presenting all these amazing, like great, great thoughts that I had to this, to this person uh, from Salesforce. And it was, I remember it was like one hour. It was supposed to be like 30 minutes. And he ended up being like, yeah, man, you know, we're done. I paid, uh, I paid it. We're, we're good. Let's make it happen. Let's put it into practice. And then I asked the systems manager, be like, what do you mean he paid? Isn't this like, included isn't it like part of it and and the systems manager was like no man he just paid like 600 bucks for that one hour and i was like wow okay this guy is willing to put money into into to growing like look man like i was recent in that job me I had no idea about like 
exactly what I was doing. I just had great, you know, great thoughts and great thought process. And he put his confidence in me and he paid money. He put money into the development of me and on the system or whatever that is. So uh, that was one of the biggest things that I saw from him. Man, that's huge. And the crazy part is like that sort of thing is something you can't buy. You don't learn that in school. You don't get to, no one tells you about how to truly make your people feel important to truly make them feel a part of what they're building. And I mean, like that experience in and of itself, I now see why, you know, in hindsight, maybe you didn't know it back then, but in hindsight, you recognize, man, the salary was the least of what you received from working with them. So as you got to work with him, as you worked with Nick and you learned and you got to see what it was like to grow a business, I'm curious for yourself, at what point, was there ever a point where, you know, you're being treated well enough in that business where it was almost like, man, do I want to walk away and still continue to create my own thing or stay there? Because I think a lot of people, they they struggle with that. Like they're in a position where they still have loyalty to maybe the organization, the company, the place that has built them, and they still want to go and build their own thing and vice versa. They're also worried. They're afraid like, yo, Esteban, man, I got this rock star on my team, but I'm scared that one day they might leave me. Should I continue to invest in them? Because it might like, you know, Nick invested in you and you left. Like, what if my guy leaves me? Like, what do you say to those people? Well, you know, uh, I think that uh, in order to, to really mold the team, you should be able to compensate your team members real well and incentivize them to, to your mission to your vision uh because that's ultimately why they would choose to stay or not um i mean like there's gonna be some external forces like parents get sick family members get sick mm-hmm. moving to another state whatever that would make people like quit on or move to another job but if they know that there's a big vision if, if they know that if they know the mission right and 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 these people are also incentivized towards achieving that north star you will lengthen the time that your rockers will stay now all comes down to like great salary but also commission structure and bonus structure whenever we're working on a sales and marketing organization such as wholesaling there's so much opportunity to give commissions to your VAs, to your lead managers, to your closers, based on closed deals, right? Based on the performance that company is going through. Because like, if you put the North Star that, hey, we want to achieve this big thing, but we cannot do it if we're not growing as a company and generating more revenue. But if you you meet certain KPIs, then you'll be able to like get, let's say, a percentage of the deal or a... Uh, or let's say, for example, a, um, a standard uh, commission bonus for every single deal, plus every single month, if you meet a specific criteria, you could also get a bonus, plus every quarter, if you meet every criteria for that specific quarter, you can also get a bonus. People are incentivized, being incentivized that way, but also being are incentivized that there is growth, room for growth for them, because the vision is so big. The mission is so big. You, the company is growing. You're looking to grow. Because if your company is not growing, you're dying. If your company is not growing, you're disservicing your employees because they're not, they're not going to see themselves in the future there. 
right? Especially the rock stars. So me, when I decided to move, it's because I had an external force that was pressuring me, which was bigger opportunity to move to another country. I wanted that. I wanted to move to another country. I don't think he could have given me uh, the opportunity to work from the U.S. and pay me a U.S. salary. That would be an unrealistic. And, and also um, move to the U.S., um, higher salary, like almost double salary, U.S. pay, so U.S. dollars, which is like 33% more than Canadian dollars. And I was going to be able to pay off my school $60,000 in debt that I had with what, how much I made. And that was the first step that I did in order to um, get into the U.S., um, I remember he did tell me that he could bump up my salary uh, when I told him that I had the idea of leaving for another job that they were giving me an opportunity. Um, but the uh, the offer was just more, way better, like double better, like plus all the, the other benefits in working in the USA than this one. Uh, but if he had matched it and given me a great incentive and, and so on, I would 100% stay because I would be working under a CEO, uh, which did not happen when I moved to Michigan. Like when I moved to Michigan, I, be, I became I became the pawn that, that we were talking about, right? Yeah. I became the other one, like just the other person, just another one, right? And um, it, it all has its pros and cons. This one get you know, this one gave me more money, um, like in salary, uh, but the roof was like not too high. Um, it was very, very, very like limiting. Uh, and the one that was a startup, the guy, Nick, he gave me the opportunity to grow real fast in four months and work under him, but the salary was not that great. And I know that if I had stayed longer, he would have raised my salary because I already knew what other people were um, basically earning. Uh, they were like maybe one year or two years uh, with me. But um, yeah, man, like uh, if you're wanting to keep your employees, your rock stars, pay them well, have a great commission structure, have a great bonus structure, make sure that your vision and mission is freaking solid and hire people that fit your core values. Like if people are not the same core values as your company is and as you are, like, it's also not going to be something that is going to keep them like has to be fit. Yeah. And you know, I want to, again, like for the listener right now that is going through that challenge of maybe you're losing people and you find that there's a constant turnover, right? You know, what Esteban said, right? Making sure the core values are there. Also take a look at yourself and ask yourself as a leader, are you doing the things Esteban just described? Are you giving them the incentives? Are you painting a picture and keeping that vision so crystal clear that they know each day what the mission is, what the target is, or is the vision this today, this tomorrow, this next week, and ultimately people feel like they're getting this whiplash from trying to keep up with you. So what's really cool too, and we might even have to do this into a part two, man, because there's so much depth with you and your story, bro. You know, so you let me know if you got to have a hard stop, but there's a lot of depth there. You went through essentially a contrast 
and I want to highlight this, like it wasn't just this beautiful ride up, right? There was ups and downs. There was, oh, cool. I got to experience these victories and I got to be somebody important inside of an organization. I had a voice inside of an organization. I was able to be an individual really collaborating with the the growth of this group. And then I went to the US. I found this better opportunity where there was a lot of these incentives on the outside, but then I, I was just a, a voiceless pawn inside of this. And you get to see this, whoa, wait, what's going on? This contrast that ultimately gives you a deeper perspective. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, let's if you have the time, let's talk about that. Like of getting into Michigan, coming to the US, getting the better job, but ultimately realizing maybe it wasn't all it was chalked up to be. Yeah, let's go dive into it. So what what was that when you got there, right? You you get the better job, you're getting better pay, you're finally in the US, you're receiving US dollars. What what's going on there from there? Like what basically made you realize, man, this maybe isn't what it's all chalked up to be. Yeah. Um, so I got to Michigan and um, I remember, man, having my Mazda 6, I got a ticket for speeding on that first time. It's crazy. I had every single thing that I moved from, from my from my room in my car. So I couldn't see couldn't see the back uh, <laughs> back mirror. And, I, and all I remember is like, you know, listening to my music and podcasts and then I get stopped Uh, man the first days in michigan it was like getting a freaking spinning ticket and like and like uh going to this place that was everything was so snowy uh i got to a place that was basically a shithole because like i was not willing to pay like more than 500 dollars a month and and it was like it was so crazy like the change it was so crazy um and then I started working. So like going to Michigan compared to Toronto, man, uh, it was it was quite different. Like Toronto, you have the city vibe uh, where there's a lot of things going around. People are moving, people are working. There's traffic. There's like people in, in suits on in in the in in bikes. They're they're downtown Toronto and like all this kind of stuff. It's, it's really very like New York. And then you go to Michigan in the suburbs of Detroit, where it's like everything is like very spread out. Everything is like you need a car for everything and anything. Um, and and then and then you know it comes down to I guess there's no culture shock, but it comes down to like now going to the office, me wanting to do everything so good from the very beginning, giving my all, like literally I wanted to like show off and I did that. I wanted to show off for like the, the, the first months, the first time that I was, was there asking questions, being proactive, getting feedback, giving feedback. Everything was so good. I ended up being hired for Magna, which is, was a uh, automotive parts company. And, and then it was like, it hit month four and everything started becoming so, so common. Like everything started becoming like, this is, I'm doing this again. Like, this is not changing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I want more action. Like, I, I, I want to be, I want to feel like I'm doing, I'm growing. I'm, I'm doing yeah. different things. 
And um, the first three months of your job, all the way to the first six months, you're going to grow 100%. Uh, but usually, if it's like a corporate job, such an engineer, such as an engineer or something like that, or whatever it is that you're doing, it becomes very stagnant very quick. And your mind starts playing your game saying like, okay, I'm comfortable, but it, I guess this is always going to be like this. And, and then you, you start asking yourself like, should I do something else? Should I just like stay and like chill and, and just go out with friends? And like, so I started doing that, started like, you know, getting more in the comfortable place and things like that. And then, but it was like one month doing that. And I was like, every single day I'm coming, doing the exact same thing taking the exact same route, going to the exact same elevator, just sitting in the same exact desk, the same exact things or tasks that I had to do or, or issues or whatever and, and doing the exact same thing. I got to figure something out myself. Like, like I started again. I had stopped doing some podcasts and listening to podcasts and things like that. And that was my biggest flaw. Mm. I don't want to call it flaw, but I, I wish I could have done it better. Like when I started working for Nick, I grew so much because I worked under him. I didn't think that I needed like to listen to this podcast and things like that. And then when I got my first four months into this Mich Michigan job, I wanted to like, you know, enjoy Michigan. I mean, get to know Michigan, but also work and great, you know, generate money and everything. Um, but I stopped learning, like I stopped learning more. All right. And when I realized that because I stopped learning, I stopped growing, everything, everything changed. You, you start like asking yourself questions like, am I, am I really good? Am I really, am I really capable of doing better things? Am I, am I really in a position where um, I could make more money. Uh, am I really in a position where I, I could have a better life or whatever? And, and, and whenever the mind is telling you, this is too comfortable, you have to immediately switch. Like you have to immediately be like, go back and go back into the, into the road that had, that got you here. Like go back to the basics, start grinding again, or like learning again continuously make sure that you feed off your mind. And at that time, I did not want business. But I just wanted growth. I wanted to, I wanted to like learn new things. I wanted to be the, a different person tomorrow. Yeah. And the reason why is because um, I, I believed that if I did something better than I did before, I could achieve something better, right? It's very simple. And I also believe that people are not better than you. Like, for example, like, I'm not better than you. Um, I feel like, and I heard this very recently too, uh, people are not better than you. They just know something that you don't know. They believe something that you don't believe. And they're doing something that you're not doing right now. So, I wanted to put myself in the position so that 
Esteban of tomorrow is better than Esteban of today. Because in order to, in order to, to be the Esteban of tomorrow, I had to essentially change the Esteban of who I am today, right? And it, it all comes down to like, how much are you willing to get outside of the comfort that this new life, this new change is giving you? Every single time, things are going to be comfortable. Things get comfortable through time, but it's up to you to make it uncomfortable again. Or if you're working for a great company like ours, we will make sure that things are not the same all the time, right? So, um, so we encourage growth. Like one of our core values is like compete with your own potential. I always thought about, I had to compete with my own potential, all right? I had to grow or I'll die. And I started listening to it to podcast. And I was like, it was like immediate. It was like instant. My God, like Gary Vee has such great things. Grant Cardone has such great things. Frank Kern has such great things. Um, like other influencers, well, other people out there that are, that are having great podcasts give so many good nuggets and interesting stuff. I got to consume these things, Right. And so I spent the next five months, uh, five, five to six months, like learning new things, kind of, kind of like listening to new things. What, when I was in 2017, when I was working for Magna and, and that, that encouraged me for growth once again. So it encouraged me that next year, I'm not going to be in the same place in the same position as I am this year. That's for sure. Even if it is inside of the company that I'm in, I'm going to be in a different place. So I decided to like uh, make sure to take courses or take podcasts, courses that the company would give me uh, or the courses that I would find online. And then ultimately started again applying for, um, for another job at a bigger company for bigger pay. And I got that. Like I remember 10 months in, I got an interview Again, from the recruiter that, that brought me in, it's also positioned me in Chrysler. And I worked for Chrysler. I started working for Chrysler on 2018, January of 2018. So I did an entire year with Magna, which was great, great people. I tried to go up in, in levels there, but they, you know, it wasn't really possible. So I decided to like move to another company. And, um, and that, you know, that kind of started... Because I knew that if I'm not learning, if I'm not growing, I am dying. All right. That's, that's ultimately what made me like get that other job that paid me now $12,000 a year extra, which to me was great for the moment. And um, it made me work for a bigger corporation, even a bigger corporation. These were like 14,000 employees in one place. 14,000 employees in one in one building, dude. That's huge. Pretty crazy. You know, Esmond, what's crazy, man, is like, dude, as you're describing everything and like people are just like, man, like this guy did so freaking much. But if we're literally looking at the timeline, right, this is not a long period of time. Like you're describing a timeline that someone else might describe, but it would have taken them 25 years to go through 
the experiences, the realization, the moving on to the next job, the getting to that place of being comfortable, the getting to that, oh shit, I need to change something about what I'm doing and dive back into progressing and working on myself and then showing back up and then going for that next bigger thing. Like this is, dude, you did this in such a compressed period of time. I want to highlight, like you were working your ass off. Like once you got directed, once you knew what the vision was, once you knew what the target was, you were going to work. Like, that's impressive, man. Like, I just got to give you your props for that, dude. Because even like, as you're telling me, like, it gets me excited. Like, I'm getting fired up right now. Of Like, man, like, I just want to go out and work harder than I'm already working. So I freaking love that. So I want to, I'm going to be respectful of your time here, too. Because, man, like, I, I think with you, we could go for like, probably like two, three hours, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. There's, there's no question. I love about to. That. I love. I love to share everything. Uh, as you know, the mindset part of everything that uh, has gotten me to where I am right now, building a company that um, you know this year alone is generating over uh, twenty-five million dollars for our clients, um, and uh, us ourselves, we're generating um, just over two point five million dollars uh, with our companies combined. Um, and um, it hasn't been easy, but it's been really fun. You know what I mean? Um, I, have, I created two companies this year. Uh, sorry, one company this year called Remote Latinos and RemoteLatinos.com. And, uh, and that company helps real estate investors and wholesalers uh, run a lean team because we are basically getting rock stars from another country overseas. And we first look in Latin America. So people, people that live in my countries, mm -hmm. Mexico, Colombia, Venezuela, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, Panama, Costa Rica, all of these countries. And then there's, if there's talent elsewhere, that's great. We'll, we'll help you um, be that connector uh, of, of great people. And um, that company built, you know, grew really fast in the last year. And, um, and we were able to like partner up with the right people in order to serve the right amount of people. Um, the other company that I have that I created in 2019 um, and went full on on this in 2020 was uh, it's Hustle Media. So Hustle Media, just like, but it's it's H E S E L Media. That's the one that I ended <laughs> up um, cho uh, choosing the name of it. And it all came down because, you know, I believe in that, like, but I also believe in being a smart hustle, a smart yes. hustler. Um, so, yeah, man, like we've been doing great. I love to like continue my my episode here uh, in a secondary episode right Dude, now. 100. We're doing a part two. Like that's like I'm making that happen, even if I got to like beg you to come back on because <laughs> I want to dive deeper now because I mean, that's just, and that's mine. Like, this is why I like to do these episodes and I like to dive into the mind because it's so easy. I mean, you do such a fantastic job at presenting yourself, putting value out there on social media, on YouTube, on your Instagram. And guys, like I'm going to have Esteban's links below because I want you to go and follow him. I want you to stay connected with him, collaborate with him, work with him, just listen to his content, see if you could do business with him. You do a great job at putting that value out there. However, I know from experience of when we see somebody that is established, who's working on themselves and growing, sometimes it feels like the gap is too wide. Sometimes it feels like, man, he must have always just been good at what he's doing now. 
They don't see the years and years and years, the days and days and days. I mean, we didn't even talk about that when you were driving Uber. There were times where you were just giving up sleep. You were sleeping in the car. Like there was so much sacrifice. Well, I don't even like to use the word sacrifice anymore. There was so much time invested, so much energy and attention invested into bettering yourself and bettering your situation. And it's important that people start to understand this about you so that they can now realize, oh my gosh, like you just said, you're not better than anybody. No one, I'm not better than anybody. None of us are better than anyone. We're all just missing a little something. It's okay. Maybe they've done something. Maybe they learned something, or maybe they believe something, like you said, that we haven't yet figured out and tapped into. So first off, bro, thank you. Thank you for coming on, sharing your story, taking the time to be here. I know you're visiting family and you could be doing a million other things, but for you to come and really share yourself with our audience, I mean, that means the world to me and I absolutely want to get a part two. So before that part two happens though, and the people that are already like, yo, I'm a fan of Esteban. Like I want to connect with him. I want to plug in with him. For the people that are just listening through audio, where's the best place for them to go and connect with you? Like, where would you want to send them? Uh, go to Estimic. Uh, sorry, go to Instagram and you're going to follow me uh, to Estenic. So my first name is Esteban. My my secondary name is Nicholas. So you combine both, Estenic. So E-S-T-E-N-I-C-K. And uh, I should have like an artist name or something like that, right? Like, like at, at, <laughs> at this point, like you're a freaking mindset marlin man like and i'm just ethnic but either way <laughs> so um follow me on instagram e-s-t-e-n-i-c-k uh we also have a free facebook group called uh rei real estate investing and wholesaling marketing and conversion mastery so it's a free group where we you know we go live we also present uh, great marketing nuggets and everything for real estate investing and wholesaling. And um, yeah, I'd be happy to like listen to your comments, to your messages, you know, connect with you if you're looking for online lead generation uh, services or uh, VA placement, uh, VA connection services. We are, we just found out that we are one of the first um, fractional recruitment operations in the game where we're not like doing VA arbitrage. We are actually coming in as your recruitment team and recruiting for your internal team so you can hire in-house. So we just found out that we are that. So we're going to be in the fractional recruitment operations, recruitment company. <laughs> Dude, right? that's huge. I don't even think people fully understand what that means. Like that is, you're essentially you're giving power back to your client. Right. Correct. You're actually building, you're helping them build their business. Correct. Correct. Dude, that's huge. So you guys follow Esteban, connect with him, join the Facebook group and be back for part two, because in part two, we're going to start to dive into the nitty gritty. We're going to start to learn more about his business, more about his business models, the accomplishments that he's gotten. So we're going to actually start to go through those highlights. And I want y'all to see the mindset behind someone that is building these high successful businesses it's not just there's just so much there so guys be back for part two i'm gonna have the link for that below and if you've got any value from this episode at all you know what my ask is i ask that you share this out 
with every single person you know that you believe would benefit because ultimately this is how we grow our communities. This is how we start to grow our mindsets. You heard Esteban said these podcasts were the things that helped him get back into grow mode. So share this out with your friends. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe and I'll see you back for the next episode of Into the Mind. Yeah.